So let me start with a joke. The joke goes like this. Knock, knock. Who's there? Control freak. Now you say control, control freak who? Did you get that? <laughs> it's a bit hard when you're telling a joke by yourself, okay? <laughs> Who's there? Control freak. Now you say control freak who? So that's a, that's a con- control freak joke, okay? Because um, we are, I think, it seems to be a generation of control freaks. Meaning that we really, really like to feel and sometimes we, we actually believe, in fact, most of the time we actually believe that we are in control of our lives um, and that we can have some sort of a say in what's going to happen and how things are going to go. And we have a picture in our head of what we expect everything should look like and we want there to be um, a plan and that we want to see that things are going according to plan, that things are going according to the way that I have the picture in my head. Is that not so? That, and I think that that is um, probably more extreme today than it was in the past because I think in the past people had much less of a sense that um, an expectation that they could control their life. Um, but today we have, a, we have I think, we, we have a, for a number of reasons, maybe um, the, we have accomplished so much with science, so we think that everything can be understood. Uh, if we haven't figured it out yet, we will, that everything can be controlled. Um, and, and so the modern, modern life seems to create the sort of sense um, that we're in control, that humanity is in control, that I'm in control of my life, and things should go according to the way that I want them to go. So now, I want to address that point. <laughs> okay, discuss discuss how's the how does the Torah view that? Okay, so there is there is a very very well known incident which happens to take place in this week's parsha, and that is the akedah. That is when God gives Avraham the command to bring up his son as an offering, um, and the Torah tells us that Yomer al Elav Avraham. He said Avraham. God says to Avram, says Avram, and Avram says, "Here I am." Back to God, and God says to Avram, "Kachno es bincha." He says, "Please take your son." Now Avram has two sons, so he has Yishmael and he has Yitzchak. He doesn't know, so he doesn't know at this point which one God's referring to. God's not being very specific, so he doesn't know which son. So then, then God says, Es yechidcha. He says, your only son. Now, each one is an only child for their mother. Right? They come, each one comes from a different mother. So he says, well, each of my, each of my sons is an only, is an only child. Okay? So I'm, I don't, he doesn't know which one he's talking about. Which son? Asher Ahafta, the one that you love. What do you mean the one that he loves? He says, I love both of my sons. Okay? I love Yitzchak and I love Ishmael. And then finally Hashem says, Es Yitzchak. I want you to take Yitzchak, don't take Isaac, and you should go for yourself, El Eretz HaMoria, to the land of Maria, which Rashi tells us is Jerusalem, and I want you to bring him up there as an offering, on one of the mountains that I will say to you. But he doesn't specify which mountain? 
Okay, it doesn't specify which mountain. So it's interesting because this, this verse, this is all in one verse, basically what I just read to you. So in this verse, the, 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 the very command, the, the, the verse in which God commands him to offer Yitzchak, to bring him up as a sacrifice, is, has a lot of uncertainty in it. So first of all, he starts off by telling him in a way which is, uh, which is vague. And it, remain, it starts off very, very vague, and it sharpens a little bit. It says, your son, your only son, the one that you love, and only, only ultimately does he tell him, Yitzchak. Um, and then he says, I want you to go to the land of Maria and, and bring him up there on a mountain. Okay, on a mountain, um, but he doesn't tell him which mountain. The mountain, I'll, sh- I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, I'll show you which mountain. So he doesn't even know exactly where he's going. Doesn't know exactly where he's going. So if you're paying attention here, what's interesting is that he tells, he tells him, Lech Lecha, go for yourself, which is the exact same expression that God uses as actually last week's Parsha, where God tells him, um, where we see that God speaks to Avram for the very first time, and God tells him to leave his land behind and leave his family and leave his birthplace and, he, and, and to go. And he says to him, I'm skipping back there for a moment, he says to him, Hashem says to Avram, Lech lecha, go for yourself from your land, from your birthplace, from the house of your father, El ha'arz asher areka, to the land that I will show you. Okay, the land that I will, the land that I will show you. So again, he heads, so he heads off, and he doesn't even know where he's going. Okay, does not know where he's going. God tells him to go, start moving, gave him a certain direction, but he doesn't tell him where he's going. So the question is, why not? Why doesn't he tell him where? Why doesn't God tell him where he's going? So there's a Rashi over here, and Rashi has that question, and Rashi gives two answers to that question. The first thing, the first answer is this: He doesn't reveal the land immediately. He doesn't tell him where he's going. Why not? So the first thing he says is in order to make it more beloved in his eyes. To make it more beloved in his eyes. So he's saying, you know, I've got something good for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is, though. You're going to have to wait and see. So, you know, creates an excitement about it. Ooh, this is going to be good. Ooh, I can't wait. Okay, like if you're a kid, you know, isn't that, isn't that why you wrap a present? Why don't we, when it's someone's birthday, why don't you just hand them a present? Why wrap it? Because wrapping it creates an expectation. Like, oh, it gets more exciting. You know, you see a kid rip, uh, ripping the paper about, oh, I can't wait. Okay, so Rashi says, first thing is, he wants to make it more beloved to Avram. Yeah, I have something really good for you, and you're going to have to wait and see what it is. So I'm not telling you where you're going. Okay, that's, so that's the first thing. The second thing he tells him is, the second reason Rashi says, is to give him reward. I'll call Dibor V'dibor. For each and every, um, for each and every uh, thing that he each, each and every command, meaning so that basically he's giving him more reward. Okay, he says, "I want you to go from your land. I want you to go from your birthplace." He gives him multiple commands, and he's he's giving him more reward by telling him them in such a way and not really knowing exactly where he's going. So there's more reward. And interestingly, Rashi here references us to the Akedah. He says, you find the same exact thing in the Akedah. When he tell, God tells him, you take your son, take your only son, the one that you love. 
And he says to him, on one of the mountains that I'm going to show you. So he's saying, he's, he's, he's connecting them. He's saying, it's the exact same thing over there that it is over here. So going back to uh, the Akedah, is, so it's a little bit difficult to say, I think, that he's making it more beloved to Avraham. Okay? Saying, because go slaughter your son. I'm not going to tell you where yet, though, to make it. It's going to be really exciting. Hey, I'm not going to tell you. So I, I don't think, that, and, and, and Rashi doesn't say that. Okay, over by the Akeda. He actually doesn't say to me that it's making it more beloved. But he does give, he does give the same second answer. Okay? Which is, what does Rashi say? He says, why doesn't, why doesn't he tell him which mountain he's, gonna, he, he's, he's, he's going to? He says, to increase his reward. Okay? To increase his reward. So, the, the, it seems to be that um, by not knowing where he's going exactly, is that he's going to get more reward for that. And God wants to give Abraham the maximum reward. He wants to give him as much reward as possible, so he doesn't tell him where he's going. So, why, why should he get more reward? So there's a, there's a, there's a principle in reward. Okay, there's a principle in reward that the Torah tells us. And the principle is lefum tzara agra. It is a gemara. And it says, according to the tsar, usually translated as effort, but it's tsar, tsar means like the pain. The tsar is, is, the, is, the, is, the, is, is discomfort, the discomfort. Okay, the tsar, it's, disco- it's uncomfortable. Okay, so according to how, how uncomfortable, according to how difficult it is, the reward increases. Meaning the harder it is, the more reward you get. Let me, get, let me illustrate this principle. Okay? And this principle, by the way, is very different. Um, doesn't really work that way for us. Meaning, human beings don't work this way. Only God works this way. So imagine, it's now we are now holding at the end of the year, and shame all of the poor students this year who had who had uh, had to have their matric year with everything going on. Okay, throughout the coronavirus, so they, all the challenges. Okay, they're all all getting to, getting to start uh, write, ready to write their exams, writing writing matric. So now, imagine you have a student. Okay, the matric student. And this guy has a photographic memory. Okay, he, he has to see something once, and that's it. Okay, he remembers it forever. Right? He hardly studies at all. He almost never opens a book. Okay, the night before the exam, this is his first matric exam, he's, he's busy for hours playing video games. Okay, is that... It's all, it's all in there. You know, he just looked one... It's, it's quick, it's easy, it's nothing. Nothing for him. Now you have another student. That's student number one. Student number two, okay, has a learning disability. And this kid, oh, he struggles to read. It takes him hours and hours to read something. He's, he has tutors. He has to get all these. His parents have like a math tutor and an Afrikaans tutor and an English tutor. and a, He has tutors for everything. He, has, he studies for hours and hours and hours. And he's been doing it for months and months and months on end. Okay? So this kid is, is, he's struggling and struggling and working. So they take the matric exam. Student number one, he gets nine distinctions. Okay, nine distinctions. Student number two, he passes, but he gets no distinctions. So in the world that we live in, so what happens? So the student with nine distinctions, so he gets printed up in the, right, they put him in the newspaper, he's in the, 
what's it called? The Northeastern Tribune? Is that what it's called? The Northeastern Tribune. And all those, you know, all the schools put out there, they always take out ads. You know, each school has like the, all the pictures of the kids. This one with nine distinctions, eight, seven, six, right? So this kid's his pictures in the, in the magazines and in the papers and everyone's so proud and everyone's so impressed and he's a genius and, you know, he, he gets into a good university. And what about the other kid? Nobody really notices and, and right? nobody really cares. Nobody really cares. Why? Because in the world we live in is that people, all they see and all they really care about is the results. The effort which went in, they're not really so interested in. Okay? They don't really care about the effort. They care about the results. Okay? Who won? Who won the World Cup? Right? Who came in first? Who got the gold medal? That's what we care about. Who, who, got, who came in second? There's no one, we don't care. Okay? No one cares about second. Okay, who came in first? Who got the results? That's what matters. Okay, how, how hard did the guy work? Okay, doesn't matter to us. But in Hashem's eyes, lefum tzara agra, according to the effort is the reward. According to the tsar, according to the difficulty, according to the challenge is the reward. So that means we're looking at it totally wrong in this world, is that we're very impressed by results. But the results are not actually up to us. The results are up to Hashem. The only part which is up to us is the effort. And Hashem looks at the effort and He rewards us based on the effort. So if Rashi is telling us that God purposely kept it vague with Avraham so he wouldn't know where he was going, he told him, I'll go one of the mountains, I'll show you, I'll let you know later. I'll, one of the mountains that I'm going to show you, okay? So he did it because he wanted to give him more reward. By not knowing where he's going, he gets more rewards. So what does that mean? So that means that that had to be more difficult. Because according to the difficulty is the reward. The more challenging, the more difficult the challenge, the more reward you get. So that means not knowing where he was going made it more difficult. Like it wasn't hard enough that he was going to Shech his son, he was going to go kill his son. But And God made it even harder for him because he didn't know where he was going. Didn't know where he was going. So what's so hard about not knowing where you're going? So interestingly, this Rashi here, there's, there's two different versions in the Rashi. seems like, you know, sometimes you know, Rashi is a, is a, comes from manuscripts that were, that, you know, that were written 900 years ago. And you can have manuscripts, you can have some words are slightly different. So there happened to be two versions of two different manuscripts of Rashi here, um, and, he, and each with a slight one-letter difference. One, it's actually one-letter difference. It's a one-letter difference, but it... Um, so let me tell you the two versions. So here, he says like this. On one of the mountains, I want you to bring up Yitzchak on one of the mountains that I'm going to show you. So Rashi says, Kaddish Baruch Hu ma, Mashhe L'Tzadikim. It says, the... the um, Hashem, he makes tzaddikim wait. He makes them wait. And only afterwards does he reveal, to, reveal it to them. So that means, so according to that version, is that what's so difficult about not knowing where he's going? He's got to wait to find out. It's the waiting. So, you know, we know, I guess, you know, Jews in general, and maybe Israelis in particular, patience is not their virtue, right? Is that um, waiting is hard. You know, to go back to the kid. There's this birthday present. There's, you know, it's all wrapped in a pile of presents. We want you to wait. We want you to wait. Ooh, waiting's hard. So, according to that version, the challenge that God gave him to make it harder, give him more reward, was to make him wait. 
But there's another version with one letter different, very interesting, and it says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, instead of saying Masheh L'Tzadikim, it says Masheh L'Tzadikim. Okay, so it says that God makes righteous people anxious. He makes them anxious. So Rashi says, he makes them anxious, he makes tzaddikim anxious, and only afterwards he reveals to them, in order that he can increase their reward. So since he doesn't know where he's going, right? He doesn't know what mountain he's going to, so not knowing where you're going, so it makes him more anxious. And since he's more anxious, he gets more reward because he has to deal with the part of the part of the challenge. Then becomes the anxiety of not knowing where he's going. Okay, so it's a very interesting concept that um, tzaddikim, God makes specifically tzaddikim, he makes tzaddikim anxious. He makes them anxious because they don't. It does, doesn't tell you where you don't know where you're going. So they make so that so you get anxious and you get more reward for dealing with the anxiety because the more difficult something is, the more reward you get. So we actually see even in the parshas we've been reading in the last couple of weeks, sometimes explicitly, sometimes the midrashim around it, we see other examples of 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 uh, of this idea. For example. Um, in last week's Parsha, it's not in the Parsha itself, but it's in the Medrash, and Rashi actually quotes it, is that one of the tests of Avraham was when he was um, teaching in, his, in, uh, in Or Kasadim, where he was living, he was teaching everybody about Hashem, and he uh, ran into the uh, trouble with the authorities. And uh, Nimrod was going to have him uh, thrown into the furnace and, uh, and burned to death if he didn't, re- didn't recant. And so both Avraham and his brother Haran were involved in this. Now Haran was a little bit more on the fence, okay, a little bit more on the fence. So, so when, when Avraham and Haran were threatened, said either you, either you uh, change your ways and you say you were wrong or we're going to kill you guys. Okay? We're going we're to burn you to death. So Avraham said, I'm not recanting. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, there's no way. I, that's the truth is the truth and I'm not backing down. We're told that Haran um, was uh, keeping his cards close to his chest. He wanted to see what happened with Avraham first. Okay? He wanted to see what, what happened to Avraham. And only once he saw what happened with Avraham, only then was he willing to commit. So it says that Avraham was thrown into the fire, and there was a miracle, and he didn't get burnt, and he didn't die. So then Haran said, well, I'm not giving any there. And so then he was thrown into the fire, and he got turned into a piece of charcoal. Okay? But he, what did he, what, he wasn't willing, he didn't want to do anything until he knew what was going to happen first. Turned out he was wrong. Okay? But he didn't, want to, he didn't want to make a choice. He didn't want to do, do anything until he saw what was going to happen. He wanted Avram to go first so he could see what was going to happen. He wasn't prepared to do it without seeing and knowing what was going to happen. Okay, once I know, so then I'm, I'm going to do it. The Parsha before that, Noyach, is, is, is that the verse in Parsha's Noach tells us that Noach went into the ark before the floodwaters, which means he, was, he only went in, he, only, he and his family went into the ark, they entered when they were forced to by the rising water. Okay? There was pouring rain, the, the, the water burst from underground, the water level was rising, and only when it got so high that they were forced to, they went into the ark. And Rashi there says that Noach was lacking in Munah. He didn't trust Hashem. 
He believed, I mean, he believed that the flood was coming. He believed it, but he didn't believe it. He only entered the ark when he had to. That's what Rashi says. So get this. You have Noach, who was told by God 120 years in advance. Okay? 120 years before, there's a flood coming. I want you to build an ark. Okay? And he does it. For 120 years, Noach builds this giant boat in the middle of, on, on, the, on the mountain, right? Nowhere, nowhere near the water. Okay? He builds, he built, I don't know if it's on a mountain, but nowhere near the water. It, it rested on the mountain. Um, so he knew it was coming. God, he got a prophecy. He was a prophet. God told him. He knew 120 years. He's waiting for it. Built the ark. But he, he doesn't go into the boat. He says, I'm not until, once the water starts, once the water gets so high that I have no choice, then we'll talk. Hey, is that I'm not willing to commit until I see it. I want, I want to see with my own eyes. Ah, now, okay, now I see the water is up to my waist. Okay, it's time to get into the boat. Let's get into the boat, guys. So, and, and he's criticized for that. Because where's your amuna? God told you. God told you the flood's coming. You didn't believe him. You believed him enough to build it, but you didn't believe him. Not until you saw. I want to see with my own eyes. And then perhaps the greatest example of this, which is much not, it's not, in, the, not in the book of Bracious at all. It's much, much later in the Torah. But it is, in the, it is the Shemitah year. Is that there's a mitzvah every seventh year in the land of Israel, which is in effect when the majority of the Jewish people are living in the land of Israel, is that every seventh year you must leave the land fallow. You may not plant it. Um, you may not work the land, and it's the whole land all at once. I mean, it would seem to make sense to maybe divide it up in, into parts, and every, every year, you know, do, do a different part, but no, no one can plant, which means there's nothing to eat. <laughs> what you're going to eat? If you don't plant, you don't eat. So the Torah says, God says, if you ask and you say, well, what are we going to eat in the seventh year? So then God says, okay, then I'll make a double crop in the sixth year. Okay, so you'll get in advance, the sixth year crop will be double the size, double the size. Um, and in some years, it'll have to be triple the size because sometimes there's also a jubilee year. Sometimes you have two years in a row where um, you can't plant. Um, doesn't, only once every 50 years that happens. And then yeah, he gets, you get a triple crop. Okay, you'll get a triple crop. So that says, God says, don't worry, I'll give you a double, a double crop or a triple crop. So one of the commentators asks over there, he says, because the Torah says, if you ask, what are we going to eat in the seventh year? God says, then I'll give you a double crop in the sixth year. He says, but what if they don't ask? Okay, it says only if you ask in the seventh year, what are we going to eat? So then I'll give you a double crop. But if you don't ask, I won't. That seems to be what it says. So the answer is like this. He said that if you don't ask, you know what God would do? If you hadn't asked, God would give, would say, would, you would, he would have put bracha into the bread. Bracha into the bread. He would have made the crops grow and they would have been like um, super crops, meaning they would have been doubly nutritious and doubly filling if you hadn't have asked, hadn't asked. But now that you ask, okay, I'll give you a regular, instead of super crop, I'll give you regular, um, you know, normal filling and normal nutritious, but I'll give you double. So what's the problem with that? If you get double the crop, you know what you have? You have double the work, takes twice as long, you need double the storage space, I mean, there's a lot more work involved. God says, I'm going to take care of you, don't worry. 
Okay? You know, keep the seven the Shemitah year. Don't plant in the Shemitah year. Okay? And don't worry, you'll be taken care of. I'll get you, the, the produce is going to be so supercharged and so nutritious and so filling that you'll have to eat less. And then it'll last you for two years. But what happened is that, no. We want to see it. We want to see it. What are we going to eat in the seventh year? I don't trust you. I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to see. I want to see in advance. Okay? In advance. I want to see double. Okay? So God says, okay. I want to do it in a way that was better for you. I want to do it in a way where you could have food to eat with, without having double or triple the work, but you demand to see it. Okay. So if you demand to see it, so I'll give it to you. I'll give you double. So you see many examples where... In the, in the Torah itself, where we want to see it with our own eyes, okay? Because if we can see it, we can feel we're not so anxious, okay? We can feel like we're, we know what's going to happen. We, can, we feel like we're in control. We can see that, okay, it should be okay. Now, it's very interesting. If Rashi doesn't say that the wicked feel anxious. God makes the wicked anxious. He says, God makes tzaddikim anxious. Because when you don't know what's going to happen, that's very anxiety, you know, causes anxiety. Is that, that's a real thing. Okay? That's a, is that it's scary. I don't know exactly how this is going to work out. There's something very, very scary about that. And that, that's difficult. That makes it more challenging. That makes it, that, that's a test. And, and you get, the, the more difficult that is, so the more reward you get. Okay, God, God says that tzaddikim, he makes the tzaddikim feel anxious. So tzaddikim also feel anxious. It's not just, it doesn't say wicked people feel anxious, tzaddikim feel anxious too. So what's the difference? What's the difference? You know, we are in, um, it's, I think we've had a year where one of the great lessons that we can take from this year is exactly is exactly um, exactly this point is that if we thought we were in control, okay, we thought we were in control, okay, but that was an illusion. Is that we're not in control? You know, we have the the hubris of humanity. You know, is that we really really thought really thought that we can control everything, everything. You know, everything we got it all sorted out. Everything we got it figured out. Everything is sorted. You know, modern life is everything. It's it's all, you know, but. It has is, it is become very, very clear, not everyone has accepted it graciously, but, it, but nevertheless, as it has become clear, whether we like it or not, is that we have no control. Is that, no, we can't, we, lo- we lost our ability to travel around, we lost our income, we lost, you know, we, any sense of certainty whatsoever, it became impossible to make any plans, you know, things constantly changing lockdowns coming and lockdowns going and level five and level two and level one and then the airport closes and you know you can't you, you can't this runs you know you can't get toilet paper and but yeah you, we're not in control we have a desire to be in control it's true that it's very anxiety provoking not to be if to not be in control but we have to recognize and this is really the main this is really the main the main thing that really in some in some ways that we're doing here is that is recognizing that Hashem's in control. Hashem's in control. Which means that we actually just need to let go. We have to let go. Letting go is scary. But it, it's still, being scared is, is not a problem. We're allowed to be scared. It's, it's, it, Abraham was anxious. He's making him anxious because he doesn't know where he's going. 
When you don't know where you're going, it's, it, it, it's very, it's, it's, it makes you feel anxious. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to be. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, I, I feel anxious. Okay, that's normal. But then, then what do you do? So what's the, what's the difference between the tzaddikim and the not tzaddikim? Is what do you do next? What you do next is you have to talk to yourself. Yes, you know what? Hashem runs the world. Hashem, you know, take a look at where you are now. Where you are right now may very well be not where you expect, where we expect it to be. Chances are most of us are not exactly where we expect it to be. If, if, you, if, you, go back, if you go back in time, um, 25 years, 26 years, make it 30, I don't know, and go back to my, my, myself 25, 30 years ago and say, you know what? 25 years from now, you know, you're going to be a rabbi in Johannesburg, South Africa, um, and, uh, you know, giving, gi- giving a class over this thing called Zoom, you know, where you can, like, see people on the computer, and, uh, you know, what would I, you know, I would say, what have you been smoking, okay? What are you talking about? Hey, so most of us probably um, are not exactly where we thought we would have been 20, past 25 years ago, but you know what? We're okay. Hashem hasn't let us down yet, Okay. We, so even when we think we know where we're going, is really we don't know where we're going. We have we we have no we we know where we'd like where we'd like to be, you know. Um, but there's no we're probably not going to end up exactly there. Um, so even though we can't see where exactly we're going to go or how it's going to happen or where it's going to come from, is that Hashem runs the world? You know, oh, I can't. The money, I don't have the money in the bank, and how did I, you know? I said, uh, Hashem runs the world. Okay, how you know if if a person you know, you know there are many many people who will only have a child if the money's in the bank, okay? The money's in the bank, okay? But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It says, it says a child is born with his bread in his hand. There's his bread in his hand, which means you have the kid and Hashem will send the pranasa afterwards. They'll be able, don't worry, Hashem will send it. I, what do you, what do you mean? I can't see it. I, don't want, I want it in the bank. I want, it, I want it in the bank. I want FMB statement at the end of the month. I want to see with all the zeros. Okay, and then you know how much school fees are, and then we'll talk about it. Uh uh-uh, uh, that's not how it works. Okay, sorry, that's not how it works. It doesn't work like that. It was, you want to, where's the Amuna? The Amuna means you can't see, but you trust anyway. Okay, and we have to know, and we have to look at our own lives, and you have to know, is it no, no, we've had challenges, we've had difficulties, but look at where you are right now, and Hashem has got you where you are now, and He has not let you down yet. And he's not going to let you down in the future. So even though you don't know how it's going to happen, even though where you're going to end up, you don't know where the parnas is going to come from. You don't know where that is that, you know what, Hashem knows what he's doing. Hashem is running the world. Hashem loves us. And Hashem is giving us a situation of uncertainty and anxiety because he wants to give us reward. He wants to give us reward for what? He wants to give us reward for working on our muna. That is, the, that is what we have to be doing at this time, okay? At this time. Corona, but even without, it, it, you know, even without Corona. I mean, gee whiz, Corona is just the icing. I mean, what's go, the elections, you know, the American elections, nobody has any idea who's going to win, what's going on. You know, there's, there's people, there's rioting going on, you know, South, so what's going to be in, you know, South Africa's, you know, like on the brink of, uh, of, 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 uh, of, of bankruptcy. And that, who knows? Nobody knows it's going to be anywhere, you know. How could you not be anxious, we don't, know, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what's going to be. We don't know how it's going to work out. It's normal to be anxious. But you know what? Is that, that's a test. 
And what at the end of the day, what Hashem wants us to do is He wants us to remind ourselves and to live with and get real with the fact that He loves us, that He's running the world, that He's taking care of us, that, that He can do anything, is that I don't have to see it. I don't have to know exactly how it's going to work out. Hashem has many, many messengers. If He wants to get you the money, He can get you the money. You, can, you, you, know, you think, well, well I don't, it's not going to work like this. And it's not, well, Hashem has ways that you haven't even dreamed of in your wildest dreams that He can get you the money. Or He can get whatever it is you need. He can get you the house. Or He can get you the wife. Or He can get you the whatever it is you need. He, can, he has a million ways to get it to you. Ways that you never even imagined before. So we have to trust Him. So Avraham, he tells Avraham to go. And he says, go. You go. And you know what? You just start walking. And then I'll show you where... When you, when you get closer, I'll show you exactly which mountain I want. Okay? You, you start walking and you go to the land that I'm going to show you. Okay? I'm not going to specify now. Okay? I'm not going to specify now, but I'll let you know. When the time comes, I'll let you know. Like Rashi says here, afterwards, Megalala, he reveals it to them. He'll let us know. In the right time, he'll reveal it to us. It'll become clear to us where it's going to come from, how it's going to work out, how we're going to pay for it. What's going to, it will become clear in the right time. But in the meantime, is that we can, we can acknowledge the anxiety and we can say, but Hashem is running the world, is that every Amechin, Mitzvah de Gover, every morning we say the Brachas, Hashem prepares the footsteps of every person, is that every, one step after the other, He knows, he knows what the next step is going to be. He, we, we can't see necessarily, but He's leading us, He's taking us, He's going, to have it, we're going to, He's going to get us where we need to be. And even though I don't necessarily can't see it, I don't know where it's coming from, I feel anxious, is that, you know what, is it's all coming from Hashem's love. It's all because he, he wants to give us reward, the reward for working on our Muna, on, on developing the relationship with him of knowing that he's there, that he's taking care of us, that he's running the world, and that ultimately things may not work out exactly like I want, or like I expected, or like I envisioned, but it will be, it will be even better. It's going to be because he knows far better than me what's for the best. So it will work out one way or another in the end, because Hashem makes tzaddikim anxious because He wants to give them the best and He wants to give them the maximum reward.